Welcome to the RCAP USA Roundup, a podcast where we have real conversations affecting both cattle producers and beef consumers. We're your hosts, Jaden Moreland and Karina Jones. With that, let's get to today's episode. This episode features RCAP USA CEO Bill Bullard as we talk about MCOOL and the Label Our Beef Week of Action. Welcome back to the RCAP USA Roundup podcast. It is so good to be back. It has been a while. So here at RCAP, we have been just a little bit busy as we just got done with our 2022 National Convention, and it was absolutely phenomenal, like absolutely phenomenal. (laughs) We had about 400 attendees and several thousand tune in online, people and speakers from both sides of the aisle and from all over the country. It's a pretty spectacular event when you get to bring all these incredible, hardworking people together and have just such amazing conversations. It's one of my favorite things about my job and one of my favorite events of the year. But anyways, the speakers are up on YouTube and you can watch all of those, but we're not here today to gush on convention. We are wasting no time coming off of that event and we are jumping right back to work on mandatory country of origin labeling with our Label Our Beef Week of Action. Karina and I are on today with our boss and RCAF USA CEO, Bill Bullard, to keep you in the know for these exciting next couple of weeks. So, welcome back, Karina, and thanks for being on with us today, Bill. Karina, why don't you tell our listeners about current labeling and where we are on MCOOL legislation right now? Well, the current labeling, if you are a beef consumer or a cattle producer, is not where we want it to be at at all. And so um, as many of you have heard from us or will remember, mandatory country of origin labeling on beef was repealed in 2015. And that is um, a current focus of ours is to get that back reinstated. So when the American consumer goes to their meat counter, what they see at that grocery store is one, they see a USDA inspector label. And I think that that um, gives, you know, the consumers the wrong impression that just because our USDA put a stamp of approval on that piece of beef, that it is born, raised, and harvested in the U.S. But that is not the truth. That just means it was inspected at a USDA inspected facility. And then there's also the product of USA label, which is also really deceiving because the product of USA label is a voluntary label, so it's not mandatory. And it only means that that piece of beef was minimally processed in the US. So it could have just been cut up into smaller pieces or say re-shrink wrapped um, in the US and it, it got that product of USA label. And so the American Beef Labeling Act is the bill that we are um, behind 110% that would reinstate mandatory country of origin labeling on all beef. And that is introduced in the Senate, that's Senate Bill 2716, and also in the House, and that's Senate Bill 7291. So the American Beef Labeling Act is the bill to support. So Jaden, we have got, um, as we talk about support, now it's time to get into some action. Tell us what we have coming up this next two weeks and how people can get involved. Yep, so we have our Label Our Beef Weeks of Action, and that's a campaign I'm super excited about, and I think everybody else is too. Uh, So like you said, Karina, we're running it for two weeks starting September 5th, so starting on Labor Day, and finishing up on September 16th. 
So kind of our goal for this campaign was to get some momentum back going for MCOOL um, now that Congress is back in session from their recess and then get Congress to act on that American Beef Labeling Act. And what that includes is we are working with our national MCOOL coalition, which includes us and a bunch of other ag, trade, and other consumer organizations that support MCOOL. And so we also just introduced the Label Our Beef on the Label Our Beef website, an online form that automatically sends a pre-drafted message supporting and urging action on MCOOL to your senators and representative. Um, it's super easy and super fast. I was just showing my parents the other day and getting their forms filled out, and it took us like five seconds each. Um, so our goal over the next two weeks is to get 10,000 of those emails sent out. And we plan on promoting this pretty heavy through a social media campaign with graphics being shared across the coalition, social media platforms, and also with a Facebook Live. Um, and that's going to have a few representatives from a few of those organizations on September 6th at 9 Mountain Time, 9 a.m. Mountain Time. Um, and so we encourage everyone to fill out that online form at labelourbeef.com to contact their congressman, and then please share, like, and comment on social media to help more people find out and draw more attention. Um, so another piece of this puzzle we wanted to share is just general information about MCOOL. Um, so Bill, let's hear from you. So there's a lot of buzz around MCOOL, and it's a topic that everyone seems to have an opinion on. And so we want to dive in and help our listeners understand MCOOL and why we want it and debunk some of the arguments against it. Um, so I think let's start with, talk to us about the cattle market and the cattle prices before MCOOL, during MCOOL, and when it was repealed. Well, for cow-calf producers out there, the U.S. Department of Agriculture estimates what the returns per bred cow are each year. And in the years leading up to the partial implementation of country of origin labeling for beef, which occurred in 2009, uh, the returns to cattle producers was negative for the three years leading up to 2009. In fact, in 2009, it was less or a $39 loss per bred cow per year. Soon after country of origin labeling was implemented partially in 2009, those returns began to increase significantly. In fact, they broke $100 in 2013 for the first time. Uh, each cow was returning $100. And of course, that's a national average. Uh, and then in 14 and 15, these returns per bred cow jumped to the highest nominal prices in, or amounts in history. They were $391 and $350 respectively for 2014 and 15. But then the year after the repeal of COOL, we saw a drastic decline in cattle prices, a collapse. Uh, they fell below $100 again, and they've been struggling ever since. And so during the period that country of origin labeling was in place, U.S. cattle producers were receiving the highest returns that they'd ever received uh, for each of their bred cows in their herd. And uh, if you look at fed cattle prices, for example, we saw fed cattle prices rising during the same period and reached the highest nominal levels in history at the end of 2014. And then uh, they began to collapse around early 2015 and collapsed until October of 2016. And from that time forward, they've been stair-stepping downward while of course beef prices uh, have uh, been super inflated and uh, continue to hit records. And so we have a, a huge gap now between what cattle producers are receiving for their cattle 
and what consumers are paying for beef. But that gap did not exist during the period that country of origin labeling was in place. And so that's, uh, you know, we point to that and say the only way to create demand for cattle that are exclusively born and raised in the United States is for consumers to ask for it. And the only way they can ask for it is through their buying preferences at the grocery store. When they buy an exclusively USA product, a product of beef in which the animal had been born, raised, and harvested in the United States, when they do that, they initiate a demand signal upstream in the supply chain. And the only way the meat packers can satisfy that specific demand is to go to the US cattle producer who is raising cattle that were born and raised in the United States. That's why this is such an important issue. Yes, it is. And um, I don't think people realize the chain effect that those cattle prices have on our rural communities. And I don't think people realize really that some of these cattle producers are only getting paid once a year when they sell calves. And that's based on whatever the cattle prices are. And so what are some of the arguments that repealed cool? And we'll go into some of those rebuttals, but what was the, you know, basis behind repealing cool? Well, the major reason that country of origin labeling was repealed is because Canada and Mexico had filed a complaint at the World Trade Organization alleging that our country of origin labeling law was discriminating against live cattle imports from Canada and Mexico. And the World Trade Organization agreed with Canada and Mexico and issued a ruling essentially directing the United States to either repeal the law uh, or to significantly change it. And Congress chose to repeal it almost immediately. Uh, in June, the House of Representatives voted overwhelmingly to repeal COOL. And then uh, later that year in 2000, December of 15, is when uh, the repeal was included in the Appropriations Act and it effectively removed uh, beef from among, the all, from among all the other commodities that continue to be subject to the law and continue to uh, provide consumers with information as to the origins of, for example, um, chicken. I couldn't agree more that definitely the WTO hurdle um, has been probably the most popular, um, you know, problem that we've faced here. But there's been some new developments in the last week or two among Congress. And so, Bill, fill us in on Congress's bold action to kind of thumb their nose at the WTO and what this means for the path for MCOOL. Right. So, so the country of origin labeling dispute uh, began over a decade ago. And uh, we issued, was resolved on the part of the WTO in 2015, which was years ago. And the WTO is no longer the same entity that it was back then. Since that time, it has lost credibility. Its reputation has been severely tarnished. And in each of the last three administrations, starting with the Obama administration, the Obama administration recognized that the World Trade Organization was overreaching in its decisions. And as a result, the Obama administration refused to seat a panelist on the WTO appellate dispute panel. And then along came the Trump administration and they refused altogether to appoint any panelists on the appellate review panel. And the Biden administration uh, continues to support that position. So today the World Trade Organization has essentially been relegated as a uh, academic uh, debate forum, uh, but it doesn't have the teeth that it had years ago. 
And one of the reasons it doesn't have the teeth is because the United States has taken specific action to prevent the World Trade Organization from completing cases through the appellate process. And of course, country of origin labeling. But country of origin labeling is really the model uh, and it exemplifies all that is wrong with the WTO because the United States has accused the WTO uh, dispute panel or appellate panel of violating WTO rules and violating the principles of governance that the United States holds dear. And so with that backdrop, very recently, Congress took even more significant action and they did it in the Inflation Reduction Act. And in the Re Inflation Reduction Act, Congress has simply ignored the World Trade Organization standard for national treatment. National treatment was a rule that the WTO was to uphold it essentially says that once an imported product enters um, the marketplace, it is to be treated identically as a domestic product. And it is not to be treated any less favorably or more favorably than a domestic product. So as a result of the national treatment rule, uh, the United States has been granting a $7,500 tax credit to every electric car made in China and sent to the United States. Well, obviously, the United States is attempting to take action uh, to prevent the from China from continuing to steal our intellectual property uh, and cheating uh, in the global trade arena. And so Congress passed this act and essentially ignored completely the national treatment requirement and said that the only cars that would be eligible for uh, the tax credit in the United States once it enters the United States are those, for example, that had uh, uh, were assembled in the United States. So there was a origin component requirement imposed that effectively shut out uh, the tax credit availability to cars that are produced in, uh, in communist China. And so that action by Congress was unexpected uh, and it's profound. Congress has essentially acknowledged that the WTO rules are antiquated and inadequate in order for the United States to achieve its goal of serving the interests of US citizens. So we believe that that action really signifies an opportunity to uh, go forward with country of origin labeling, but very importantly, uh, the country of origin labeling statute directs our US trade representative and US secretary of agriculture to attempt to um, negotiate a means of implementing cool that would be in compliance with the WTO rules. And we firmly believe that that is more than just possible. And so that's why we support this bill. It's because it recognizes that there has been lingering concerns out there regarding the WTO. And of course, uh, the threat of the WTO retaliatory tariffs uh, that it has uh, granted Canada and Mexico. Um, but this rule attempts to address that in a meaningful way and, uh, and we believe that our trade negotiator and Secretary of Agriculture would, would certainly be um, successful in paving a path for the implementation of country of origin labeling. But very importantly, uh, the country of origin labeling statute says, if no means, is, if no means are identified uh, for implementing COOL to the satisfaction of the WTO, the law will go into effect anyway. And it will stay in effect until and unless um, another complaint is, is uh, initiated by other countries. But even since that time, we see that countries across the world uh, are recognizing the importance of having their consumers know the origins of beef 
and other products, and, and they have country of origin labels uh, at the grocery store for consumers. So really the United States consumer is the outlier. It's one of the few consumers in the world uh, that does not have available to him or her uh, access to information as to the true origins of the beef that they buy for themselves and their families. So we see some groups and some lawmakers and even the USDA use a term called truth in labeling. And I think that um, it's a warm, fuzzy term. It's endearing and, and people, it's easy for people to latch onto it. But I think it's time that we pull back the curtain on truth and labeling versus mandatory country of origin labeling. Give us the differences and why we have to stick behind MCOOL. Right. So the truth in labeling, otherwise known as the USA Beef Act, uh, is intended to address a narrow problem with profound uh, circumstance or profound impacts. And that is that under the current U.S. Department of Agriculture rules, as you described earlier, a beef product can can be uh, can qualify for a product of USA label, even if it was only unwrapped and rewrapped. Uh, so it could be an exclusively foreign product and yet be eligible for the product of USA label in the marketplace. So the US Department of Agriculture had announced that it was going to engage in a rulemaking in order to uh, fix that significant deception uh, that's occurring in the marketplace today. Well, Congress wasn't uh, confident that USDA would write the rule in a manner uh, that was accurate. And so that's why the, the USA Beef Act was passed. It was passed to direct USDA uh, that when they allow the voluntary product of USA label, the meat must be from animals that were born, raised, and harvested in the United States. So they're fixing only one small component that we're certainly concerned about, but the act does not cover imported products. So you would continue, even if the USA Beef Act were passed, Number one, only the products that the packers wanted to voluntarily label would be labeled. Uh, number two, no imports would be required to be labeled. Number three, all the imports would still bear the USDA inspection sticker on it, leading consumers to believe it must be a domestic product. And some of the imports could even have uh, the United States uh, uh, quality brands, Choice, Select, and Prime. And so the USA Beef Act will not address the, the huge problem that we have in, the, in uh, the marketplace today, and that is consumers cannot choose from which country they wanna purchase their beef. They can't choose to buy Uruguayan beef or Honduras beef or Mexican beef or United States beef because there, is no, there isn't a requirement for all of that beef to be labeled. And that's why the mandatory country of origin labeling bill or uh, the um, Senate Bill 2716 and House Bill 7291 are so vitally important. So one of the most interesting facets of MCOOL to me is that other proteins are labeled accurately, but beef seems to be an exception for some reason, even when some would argue that beef is our most important protein source. And in my mind, I really, I don't, I know I don't really trust where my beef is coming from now when I see that product of the USA label. And so I feel like this makes people not trust that product of the USA label on any protein and any really anything in the grocery store. And so kind of talk to us about the labels on other protein sources and talk to us what not about what not having MCOOL means for the product of the USA label in its entirety. Country of origin labeling became the law of the land in the 2002 Farm Bill. 
and required um, various proteins, beef, pork, lamb, chicken, goat meat, all to be labeled as to where the animal from which the meat was derived had been born, raised, and harvested. And then the law requires uh, labels, country of origin labels, on fresh fruits and vegetables, on fish and wild fish, on pecans and ginseng and peanuts and macadamia nuts. So there's a whole host of commodities that the consumer can go to the grocery store today and know exactly from which country uh, the product was grown under and produced. Uh, and that includes proteins like lamb, chicken, and goat meat. Consumers can go to their grocery store today and see the label that says this is a meat product that was born in country X or Y um, or Z and harvested. And so the consumer can choose to buy a product that is exclusively of US origin that would help strengthen the domestic supply chain that will bolster our national security interests, uh, food security in particular. And so, um, so country of origin labeling is not only doable, it's being done and has been done for two decades. Um, and so not having country of origin labeling means on beef, and the beef is an outlier along with pork, but the consumers really have no idea where that beef product was being produced. And we import from 20 different countries and uh, the total volume of imports available to consumers in the United States of America is about 20% of our total production here. So imports are significant, uh, have a huge impact, and we believe that consumers have a right to know uh, the origins of beef. So they could choose whether they wanna buy beef that is produced under the most stringent health and safety standards in the world, which is right here in the United States, or would they prefer beef from Costa Rica, Nicaragua and Honduras, or Uruguay, Argentina and Brazil? You know, and some of those countries have had some significant food safety problems. So consumers could choose to avoid those with a country of origin label. Um, so that's just one, but the, the other is, uh, if U.S. consumers wanted to support their farming and ranching neighbors, uh, those who are producing food for them, they can choose the USA product knowing that it's going to create demand for the USA cattle. And so uh, strengthening the supply chain, supporting our American family farmers and ranchers, and uh, choosing the, the food safety regime that you're com comfortable with, are very important aspects uh, that country of origin label would bring to the marketplace that does not now exist. So one of some of the other cattle associations' favorite arguments is, oh, well, it's just lean trim we're importing. What is your response to that, I guess? The majority is lean trimmings, a grinding product primarily from Australia and New Zealand. But the volume of beef that is imported into the United States that is of comparable quality as the United States, beef from Canada, for example, the cattle up there are comparable to US cattle and therefore so is the beef. Uh, those imports certainly are not a low quality grinding product. Neither is beef uh, from some of the Australian feedlots that are emulating the United States and now grain feeding cattle. They're doing the same in Mexico and South America recognizing that the grain-fed beef is coveted in the United States, and they believe that ours to be a lucrative market for them. And so um, the other important aspect is we see when total volume of imports, and even though the majority of those imports are a low-quality grinding product, we see a correlation between an increase in the volume of all imports and a decrease in domestic cattle prices. What that tells us 
is it isn't the type of beef that has the impact, it's the quantity. Uh, if the volume of imports increases, we can expect to see decreased cattle prices and vice versa. So the other thing I think that people consumers care, and I think that the other side likes to say that they don't care that you know they have these you know surveys that say they don't care but and i think going back to one of our favorite ncba quotes the beef is beef whether it was born in what is it montana manitoba or mazatlan or something right, right. <laughs> and so you and i both know that's not true and most consumers are starting to wake up and starting to see that that's not true as well and it really seems in this day and age that consumers do care where their food is coming from, whether it's for health reasons, wanting to support U.S. products, wanting to support local ranchers or whatever their reasoning is. Um, and it seems like every time I inform somebody that that product of the USA label or that USDA label is not doesn't mean what they think it means, they're kind of in shock and then they kind of get upset. So kind of tell us more about some of those more recent consumer studies and what MCOOL means for the consumer rancher relations and beef demand? Well, all a consumer or a cattle producer needs to do today is go into a retail store and you will see that there has been an explosion in the application of proudly made in the USA or made in the USA or product of the USA. Now, they do that at the retail level because the studies they have conducted demonstrate that there's an overwhelming uh, response from consumers who, who will purchase the USA made product. And so you apply that to beef. There's no reason that consumers would act any differently uh, with respect to a beef product. And, and surveys have been conducted by some of the nation's largest consumer groups, Consumers Federation of America and Consumers Union, the one that does the consumer reports. And they both conducted studies that show overwhelming support by American citizens for wanting to know uh, the country of origin of the beef they buy for their families. And uh, RCAF USA did a petition a while, not too long ago, and the petition was calling for mandatory country of origin labeling. And we had over 400,000 uh, signatures on that, on that petition. So all the factors that we have looked at uh, clearly demonstrate that there is overwhelming and widespread support for mandatory country of origin labeling. One of the um, other consumer issues that I think magnified our supply chain issue and this labeling issue was definitely COVID. Bill, wouldn't you agree that um, after consumers saw empty store shelves, it kind of shook them awake to start becoming involved in um, how the, 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 the domestic supply chain looks in America? You know, um, so something to think about with that is how if we lose this domestic cattle industry and beef industry, there's going to be more empty shelves. Right. So consumers had a wake up call during COVID, recognizing that the supply chain for beef was inadequate uh, to serve our national food security interests. And one of the problems in the beef supply chain is that the consumers um, are not a part of it at all. They simply are the, uh, uh, those who purchase the final product. They have no say. And so country of origin labeling actually empowers consumers at the marketplace to help strengthen uh, the domestic supply chain, to help strengthen our nation's food security interests. And the way they do that is by selecting products that were produced uh, in whole or in part in the United States. You know, we want them to 
to purchase the product that is exclusively produced in the United States. But very importantly, we're offering consumers a choice and letting them make the decision. And so they, they are then empowered to initiate demand for whatever product they choose to purchase in the grocery store. And so they can create demand for Uruguayan beef, USA beef, Canadian beef. And that's how a competitive market works. Consumers have choices in the marketplace and it is the preference that they exhibit by their purchasing decisions that initiate demand signals that uh, cause the entire beef supply chain to begin functioning. And uh, the more consumers that will purchase the exclusively USA product uh, will provide new opportunities to build new distribution channels for beef, uh, to produce, uh, generate more uh, packing plants in, in local and regional areas, and uh, provide opportunities for aspiring farmers and ranchers uh, to get into the industry. And so, um, Country of origin labeling is vital for that purpose as well. So, and as we peel back kind of the arguments and um, what we face as we, you know, pursue reinstating MCOOL, another one has been, how can you support MCOOL but not support mandatory RFID? Let's talk to our audience about why these two issues are absolutely not coupled together. Right, and, and when the country of origin labeling bill was first passed in 2002, we specifically included language that said that the United States Department of Agriculture could not rely upon a mandatory animal identification system in order to affect labels on beef. And so, and the reason for that was it's totally unnecessary. It's an unnecessary cost. The reason it's unnecessary is because the United States knows the origin of all beef imported in the United States by virtue of our requirement that all of that beef be labeled as to its country of origin when it passes US Customs and Border Protection. And so country of origin labeling would require that foreign label uh, to re be retained through retail sale. And uh, for all of the live animals that are imported in the United States, we require them to be permanently marked with their country of origin. And the reason is because of disease problems, brucellosis, tuberculosis, and mad cow disease. Those uh, pernicious diseases have caused us to require the identification of all imported animals, not only when they cross the border, but while they are here in the United States, it's unlawful to remove those foreign markings. So what that means is, is you could have what's called a presumption of domestic origin. And that is, if a live animal is presented for harvest to a packer, and that live animal does not have a permanent foreign marking on it, it could be none other than an animal that is born and raised exclusively in the United States. Uh, on the other hand, if the animal is presented with a Canadian uh, marking, uh, C open AN on the hip, or a Mexican brand, uh, or a uh, ear tag, official ear tag of Canada or Mexico, the packer knows immediately uh, the origins of that animal. So that's why the use of a RFID or any other type of mandatory animal identification system on the domestic cattle herd is completely unnecessary for the efficient and accurate uh, labeling of beef from all animals. I think a lot of our consumers and even cattle producer audience are still learning that our imports of beef and live cattle 
already have a marking of their country of origin on them. And we are removing that label. We are That's removing great. it. So that leads us into another, um, another argument that people want to bring up and what's it going to cost? What's it going to cost to implement mandatory country of origin labeling on beef? All we need to do is look at the various commodities that have been subject to the country of origin labeling law since 2002, and they would specifically include lamb, chicken, and goat meat. Uh, we've not had any studies that indicate that the cost is untenable or exorbitant or too much uh, for purposes of informing consumers. In fact, I think retailers are finding that consumers very much appreciate those labels on those other commodities. If we look at the, uh, the potential cost of the cattle industry, the cost is no more than what the meat packers are already doing, for example, to label a branded beef product that they put at the grocery store shelf. Because in order to verify the, uh, the accuracy of a branded product, they have to track the meat product through the processing sector uh, of the packing industry and keep track of which beef product came from the animal to which uh, the branded label applies. And so the problem is not that the packers don't have the technology, they're doing it all the time. They also do it for the quality grades for a select beef product, prime or choice beef product. They have to track the meat after the animal is harvested through the system. Um, so the really the only legitimate argument is the packers don't want to label the beef product as a product of the United States or where it was born and raised and harvested. Um, so they view that as a requirement uh, that they don't want to do, and they've resisted, and they continue to resist. But if you go back to what we talked about on returns per bred cow, you know, those returns are based on total revenues and total costs. And those returns, when they were the highest in history, were occurring at the time that country of origin labeling was in full effect. And clearly, it showed that the cost was negligible. Um, in that process because producers were receiving at the time higher returns per bred cow while the country of origin labeling law was implemented. I think one could argue that it takes more effort to fit, like take it out of the packaging of where it came from instead of just like <laughs> carrying well, it point. down the line. I don't know. This just seems like a stupid argument to me. <laughs> so we have affected Effectively just spent, um, you know, the last little bit peeling back and rebutting all of the arguments against mandatory country of origin labeling. Let's talk about the next steps. What has to happen to see the American Beef Labeling Act over the finish line and return profitability to the American cattle industry? Well, the first thing we do need to do is build widespread support for the legislation in Congress. So the, the Senate bill, Senate Bill 2716, currently has 10 co-sponsors, five Republicans and five Democrats. The House bill has uh, two Republicans and one Democrat. Uh, so not only do we need widespread support, we need bipartisan support. And the, the sponsors of these bills are working hard to pair up a Republican with a Democrat. So we have about an equal number of, of both parties represented. But we need more co-sponsors on both of these bills. We need more senators to join Senate Bill 2716 as a co-sponsor, and we need more House of Representatives to join uh, H.R. 7291 
um, for the same purpose, because the more co-sponsors that we can gather on these bills, uh, the easier these bills will be enacted and the easier they'll make it out of committee and then make it to their floor of their respective house and then be passed. Because as we know, uh, many members of Congress do not have time uh, to delve into all of these bills that they're voting on. But when they see a bill that has overwhelming support, they will have confidence uh, that this is a measure that's good for America. And so it's, it's critically important right now that we build support. And the way to do that is to convince more members of Congress to sign on as official co-sponsors of this legislation. Yep, and I think that brings us full circle back to our weeks of action. We appreciate Bill joining us today and we appreciate him sharing his insights and knowledge with us. We hope you enjoyed today's episode on MCOOL and we hope you participate in the Label Our Beef Weeks of Action to help us get some momentum and get some movement on the American Beef Labeling Act. To refresh your memory, those are bill numbers S2716 in the Senate and HR7291 in the House. To get in contact with your senators and representatives, follow these steps. Visit www.labelourbeef.com. Click MCOOL campaign. Fill out the form with your name and information, hit next, and then you should see your senators and representative in a pre-drafted message expressing your support for MCOOL. All you have to do next is hit submit, and then tell your friends and family and share, like, and comment on social media. This is so important for American ranchers and consumers alike, and we appreciate you and your support. Follow along for more information on MCOOL and stay tuned in to the Label Our Beef Week of Action at RCAPUSA on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube. We will also be sharing on the Label Our Beef Instagram and Twitter and the Facebook page under the name USA Beef. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the RCAP USA Roundup. To learn more about RCAP USA, visit our website, www.rcapusa.com. 